Welcome to My Babies, a podcast for women with type 1 diabetes by women with type 1 diabetes. Join us every week as we navigate through pregnancy, birth and raise a child whilst living well with type 1 diabetes. The experiences shared in this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be relied on as health or personal advice. Please seek the guidance of your treating team before making any changes to your diabetes or pregnancy care. On this week's episode of Mama Beanies, we're talking about Endia, the Environmental Determinants of Islet Autoimmunity Study. The Endia study aims to find the causes of type 1 diabetes to inform ways to prevent it in the future. Joining us for this episode is Kelly McGorm, who is the Engagement Coordinator of Endia. Today, your hosts are Carly and Rachel. This is Mama Beanies. Well, welcome back, listeners, for another week here at Mama Beanies. And I'm really excited for this episode this week. Because if you look at any of the commentaries on our Facebook support groups or similar, you'll hear, you'll see this buzzword going around India. And if you're not part of India, you go, okay, what is India? What is this thing? Mm-hmm. And it is something that is so important and so vital. And um, without further ado, I will introduce Kelly, who's our amazing guest for tonight Yay. from India as their engagement coordinator. Hi, Kelly. Thank how you are you going? Having me. I'm delighted to be on your podcast. Oh, we're delighted to have you. Um, Kelly, if you don't mind, if you could give us a little introduction about yourself, so I guess about your job and how you became involved with NDR. Yeah, well, I'm called the, I started off as a, the recruitment strategist, they called mm-hmm. me. Um, but of co- course, now we've, we've actually finished recruiting for India. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have become the engagement coordinator, which means jack of all trades basically mm-hmm. um trying to help our research nurses and coordinators see all our families and and keep the study on track and consistent across australia um and also a steep learning curve with our website and social media and um pr and things like that but uh, you know as a as a nurse myself has been a bit of a a steep learning curve but um yeah, that, that's my role. And I got involved um, about four and a half years ago. Um, I, I moved from Canberra to Adelaide and, and the position was advertised, but it just, it ticked absolutely every box that I love about research, which is, you know, engaging with families and also like a really important question and study that I hope will help a significant number of people and families. Yeah. And um, so you spoke about recruitment of India. So I I unfortunately just missed out on getting in recruitment for India. But we are so the, sorry about that. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. It's for a good cause. So I guess we should ask the question, what is India? And can you give us a brief history of the program? Yeah, well, um, as Carly said, it's environmental determinants of eyelid autoimmunity. So mm-hmm. We want to find what in the environment causes the body to attack its own islet cells. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the islets, I don't know if I need to say this to you, but the, the islets are the cells in the pancreas that produce insulin and glucagon, which help control blood glucose levels. So we want to know what triggers this autoimmune response. And we hope that by identifying um, and hopefully preventing that trigger, we can prevent type 1 diabetes from developing. Um, we've got several hypotheses that one or more factors might be um, at play, like 
viruses and mm-hmm. bacteria, um, the foods and nutrients and um, inflammation, pollutants and, and some genetics. Um, but India, is a, it's a national study. It's across Australia. Um, it's longitudinal and, and long in longitudinal is for good reason because it takes a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, we follow uh, our participants. We're the first in the world to follow participants from the pregnancy mm-hmm. and that's what makes this study really unique. Um, there is a large study looking into the causes in the northern hemisphere called TEDDY Mm. Um, but that has started from early life, like uh, infants, babies. Um, but India is the first to recruit from the pregnancy. Mm. Um, so eligible patients, uh, participants, sorry, eligible participants were unborn babies, which seems a bit unusual, uh, or up to six months of age, mm-hmm. um, where their mum, their dad, or an older sibling were living with type one diabetes. Mm. Great. And speaking of participants, um, I will jump to Carly because Carly is an India participant referred to, lovely children. So Carly, if you don't mind sharing, how did you and your gorgeous children become involved in India? Uh, So uh, both... Both of my kiddos are um, India children um, and I'm an India mum. So I joined the study uh, when Isabel was five and a half months old. Uh, so just got in there before she was six months old. Um, I was encouraged to join by my diabetes educator who had heard about the program uh, and wondered if I would like to participate as I was kind of one of her only patients who kind of fit the criteria Mm. Uh, so she had suggested that I join and yeah kind of just after my daughter was born Mm -hmm. and it just took me a very long time to kind of get my butt into gear and I'm really glad I got in there just before my butt was too far out of gear Mm so yeah so with Isabel we joined uh, about halfway through 2018 and then therefore when I fell pregnant with her uh, I contacted my uh, Indian nurse, whose name is Sarah, and sh- I'd let her know that I was pregnant and she wondered if I wanted to uh, join Noah into the study as well. So we did. And so Noah was followed uh, from pregnancy uh, right through, whereas Isabel uh, was only followed kind of from six months. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we've been involved since halfway through 2018 and, yeah, we hope that we do some good. Oh, Absolutely, you are. <laughs> and I, I, I guess it was, it's worth saying, Carly, that you participate uh, with Sarah in the regional program. Yeah, so that, I'm hoping we get to talk about this in a little bit, but I am, okay. yes, I am a regional participant, which is quite different to, um, I guess, a lot of the mums that I see online who do get to um, participate in person with an Indian nurse mm-hmm. or um, get to visit clinics and things like that. So I do. Uh, all of our India collections myself mm-hmm. and now Isabel also participates Dr Isabel we call her when our yes. box arrives oh. uh, she has to also put the gloves on stuff so yeah we are kind of we're part of the study in a different way to like what I see as a lot of people but I know there's a mm-hmm. huge regional program mm-hmm. it is a actually, regional program. I actually work with one the only other India family in town so my SLSO at my school 
our learning support office. She is also an Indian mum. Her partner oh. has type 1 diabetes and uh, we are the only participants in town and we happen to fall into the same workplace this year, which has been uh, quite exciting actually because we've known about each other via distance um, yeah. mm-hmm. because we knew that there was one other family in town, but now we work together. So Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So, But, yeah, so we're the only participants in our town. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, anyway, that's us. <laughs> that's great. Uh, and, and that kind of ties into um, my follow-up question for you, Carly, into um, what what does being a participant in India involve? So you're in the regional program. So um, yes. what do you do for participation? Uh, so Sarah, our fantastic nurse, brings me kind of every six months mm-hmm. yeah, uh, and is like, hi, Carly, can I send you a box? Mm-hmm. And of course you can send me a box, Sarah. Uh, <laughs> and now we're up to two boxes at a time um, because our kiddos just tend to fall. Uh, Isabel's half-yearly box falls at the same time as Noah's yearly box and then mm-hmm. vice versa. Mm-hmm. So do two boxes at once because then we just get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we get a big box in the mail, um, a big bio bottle, and inside is a bottle that we put in the freezer, a quite a large little esky, uh, and it sits in the freezer and we have to collect a range of samples. So we do urine, stool, blood, uh, and a bunch of like saliva and skin samples, mm-hmm. uh, which is very cool. Like the first time we did, it, I was this is incredible, and it still is. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was just crazy to yeah. um, think that I'm collecting the samples. Yeah, yeah. Because um, that's stuff that like, doctors do. Quite a bit of paperwork. Mm-hmm. Um, and the paperwork is so initially um, there was lots of stuff, especially when I was breastfeeding. Um, it's, it's talking about our diet uh, and like my diet in regard to breastfeeding the kids. Um, oh, yeah. And that was another sample that we used to give was breast milk as well. Yeah. They liked that. Mm-hmm. Um but then once you stop breastfeeding, you don't have to send breast milk anymore, obviously. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a lot of questionnaires regarding like all the environmental stuff. So food, um, like one of my favorite questions is, do you have a dog that comes inside? Because every time I'm like, yes, for you, we have Carson and he's inside and in the bed with everyone. Um, <laughs> so it's my favorite question when I see that one. Um, things about smoking alcohol, um, just all kinds of stuff. And now moving into Isabel's questionnaires too, um, it starts to look at what she's eating, how often she's eating it, and the kind of impacts, I guess, that's having on her. Hmm. Um, and it also talks about things multivitamins and probiotics and um, medication. We do an illness log, so we track whenever, So, which is going to be super great when Sarah gets this one because my kids have been sick for like three weeks. Um, but we do an illness log as well as um, what medications we use to treat, how long um, the treatment took place for, um, you know, did we to a doctor, was it self-diagnosed, did we have to have an ED trip? So it kind of, it's just, it's a lot of information. Hmm. Um, we are covering the whole gamut yeah and like I remember the first time I got them I was like what does this have to do with diabetes like what if I have a dog that comes inside like what does that have to do with diabetes but they bring in their own little environments yeah and like I guess it's just something you don't think like as as someone with diabetes I was like did my dog like impact on it um (laughs) and stuff like that that I guess a lot of people um particularly like and I'm going to paint 
a big brush here. Mm. Um, but society in general is like, you ate too much sugar, you got diabetes, mm. or your mum had diabetes, therefore you get diabetes. Like it's mm. very black and white mm. um, to society as to the causes of diabetes, both mm-hmm. type 1 and type 2. Yeah. But it's obviously not because why am I the only person in my family with type 1 diabetes then? Yeah, that's right. Um, and that kind of stuff. And I found it interesting before when you were talking about um, like bacteria and illness and the things that kind of cause it. And because I had a blood infection that I was quite very, very sick with that ended up being resolved. And then with three weeks, I was diagnosed with type one diabetes. Hmm. So that's what my doctors have always said to me is they were like, Oh, here's what we think happened tell you facts Mm. but you know you hear those stories all the time about what people think the causes are so Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that by filling out things about like my dog coming inside and does somebody in my house smoke and you know Mm. how like what do kids eat and how often um so we do also just jump back in we do like a uh, food diary log so Mm. for the first six months it was uh everything that the kids ate mm-hmm. um, and everything that they drank. Whereas now that my kids are a bit older, um, I actually even possibly think it was for the first 12 months and I've just blocked that out. Um, so <laughs> was, I think it was the first 12 months that we did everything that they ate. Yeah. Um, the first six months should have, you know, is often a bit easier because it's they're milk. just having milk really yeah, and yeah. like nothing else. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it was the first 12 months and then now we get um, six monthly calls from a dietitian and we do um three days so Mm -hmm. we pick two weekdays and a weekend day is what we've done so far um and we give a detailed food diary uh, for what the kiddos ate uh on those three days spread out not three days in a row um kind of over two weeks we've collected days um and stuff like that and it's including things like brands which is stuff a lot of people probably don't think is also relevant. What does it matter whether it was tip top or wonder white? Like, mm-hmm. um, but it's all nitty gritty that someone mm, else is going components and nutrients and yeah supplements and yeah that's right exactly. So, but uh, right down to the end, um, and we have this awesome little guide that tells us to like how much um we ate and all like led like M six and like S two and and all these little kind of um guides for how much it is like the code I guess yeah. um. But, yeah, so it's all stuff that before participating in India, I was like, how is this relevant? Like, like, and a lot of people would, like, what does it matter whether it was tip-top or white? white? Mm. Like, you ate two slices of white bread at lunchtime. And I guess before I would have been like, isn't that enough? You know that bread's white bread, but it's not because Mm. different Mm. factories, different, you know, companies add different things or produce other things as well in that factory. So all these extra bits and bobs that we find out through these like super detailed questionnaires and Mm. this regular touching of base is hopefully going to be like, hey, here's a thing. We found a link. Like, Mm. um, yeah, so a lot of testing, a lot of um, swabs. And then our nurse, Sarah, gets back in touch with us, um, adding things like vitamin D levels, uh, celiac screenings and the antibodies, which I'm I'm not going to explain because I don't quite understand how the antibodies work. Sarah just gives me a thumbs up and is like, your antibodies are clear. And I'm like, cool, markers <laughs> are clear. Great. Don't need to stress right now. But I think that would be really good if you can kind of explain what the markers are um, that you test for. <laughs> Mm, yeah. yeah so 
so we do, it does seem a bit harsh, but every three to six months we do try and get a blood sample from our little participants Mm -hmm. and we look at a lot of things from that blood sample and as you say one of the important things is the islet autoantibodies so that's basically little proteins that are showing that um, it's starting to have a little attack on the islet cells of the pancreas Um, so if if there's four different antibodies that we look for. Um, they're GAD, a zinc transporter. Oh, this is going to test me now. Uh, uh, IA2 and insulin autoantibody. Mm-hmm. They're the four main um, validated markers that we test for. And that, that's a, it's a really quite valid measure that we have been adopting from um, overseas assays and things so it's, it's giving us a pretty good um, accuracy um, but when those antibodies pop up in the bloodstream if there's just one um, and it comes and it goes it really doesn't mean a lot you know things come and they go um, but if two or more isla autoantibodies are detected that's usually an indicator that some, this trigger this um, autoimmune response has started mm. and we call that stage one um, type 1 diabetes mm. um, and basically from other studies we know that um, a child or a person is likely to develop these antibodies um, in early life they, they can be found in the first year of life mm-hmm. Um, but when they might develop type 1 diabetes, is about an 85% chance with those two or more, mm-hmm. um, and we don't really know when. It could be within 15 years. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the islet autoantibodies. Um, we also look at celiac antibodies as well because there is a, a, an association uh, with celiac and type 1 diabetes. Mm-hmm. We look at vitamin D, um, as you say, insulin, glucose, and then other things like viruses um, and immune function in in the body. Um, So it it actually gives us a wealth of information and the blood sample is probably one of the most important samples of India because it's how we determine the child's immunity, basically. Um, yeah. Do you want me to tell you why we collect some of the other stuff? Like, yes, please. When I'm scooping that out of their nappy to put in there, like, I don't know what they need this why? for. I'm I'm not yeah. Why <laughs> on earth would you ask me to collect my child's poo? Yes. <laughs> well, fun fact we've got about 10,000 poos in our biobank now. So <laughs> we really value it highly. Yeah, yeah. And um, it covers. this term, the microbiome, which means all organisms, really, bacteria, viruses, fungus. We have fungus that lives naturally in and on our bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the poo actually gives us a wealth of information about the microbiome Mm -hmm. and the virome, so these viruses, Um, and also something called all these ohms, the metabolome, Mm-hmm. which is how the body processes the nutrients and food and fluids we take into the body. Mm. Um, so that's why we collect poo. Um, urine also gives us information about how the body processes 
food and fluids. Mm-hmm. Um, we ask for a, a sample of saliva from everybody in the family yep. to get genetic information. From, and also like um, stools. That's the other thing you collect from parents yep. too. That's a super fun one that Drew and I do. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. The dads love it. Yeah. Not. <laughs> Drew's like, I need to do this. I was like, here you go. Bye. <laughs> um, so it's also like it's not just kids that you collect that from. It's from the parents no. as well. Yeah. No, to start off with, when people enter India, it's a whole of family affair. We, it's so we like To find out, you know, your absolute innermost secrets, literally, um, <laughs> with the poo and blood and saliva um, and skin swabs and things around time of birth. Um, and uh, that that's all, yeah relevant in terms of this environmental impact. Mm. Mm. And also birth collection is different too. Um, so we obviously didn't do a birth collection with Isabel because she was well born um, <laughs> by the time we joined Enda. Um, but we did do a birth collection with Noah, right? of which did not because I was living on another planet at that point. So yeah. Drew did our birth collection. Mm-hmm. Um, which involved cord blood, yes, uh, and meconium, yes, which was that's the first poo. Yeah, Noah's very first poo, um, yeah. and the cord blood. Everything else is stuff that we've done before. It was like skin swabs and saliva swabs, and yeah, like and that. a little but, sample of placenta. Yes, yeah, I was just like, cool, bye, everyone. Here's yeah, my bottle. Take whatever you like. Yeah, the <laughs> nurses just, and that was it. We gave it to our midwives, and the midwives asked what it was for. Um, so every time we collect, as well, we should note that we get a little letter. Um, explaining what India is mm. um, and why we are collecting um, blood samples and things because I take my blood samples as a regional participant from the blood collection centre. Mm. So they just take them and give them back to me. And I'm sure that when I first rocked up at our place in town, uh, they were like, we're not giving you blood. Like you can't just yeah. take this stuff away. Um, so we do get a letter provided that explains the whole study and what it's for and um, and how the process works. And so the midwives got the same letter regarding things like placenta and cord blood and stuff that um, obviously, quote unquote, normal mums are not wanting um, to take away from their birthing experience. Um, so it's really good. And they just kind of did what we asked. We were, these are the samples that we need. Here are the collection um things to put them in and the different aspects and then drew took it all home on our first day and then the courier came and picked it up and awesome because that's how our system works we get these big bio bottles delivered and we call the courier when we've got all our samples and we pack it all up and the courier collects it and overnights it to south australia hmm. and for the rest of the country if, if they're living sort of near an india hub hmm. um participants go into the the NDA clinics um, or occasionally have a, ho- a home visit if, if yeah. they're lucky with a nurse uh, from India that will collect all the samples for them and take them back to their local lab in the hospital. Which is what um, a lot of our listeners would see Belinda do. Yeah. Uh, so yes, that's Adam, right. Yes, Belinda, age. who's been on twice, I believe, is <laughs> very busy around Victoria visiting lots of families. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, that, that's... And, a- I, and I've just got... I've, 
I've got one other new, because Carly wouldn't be up to this sample yet, something mm. to look forward to, Carly, yes. is the, uh, a baby tooth. We also collect a baby tooth. Oh, yes. Um, we just got the information for that in Isabel's latest um, collection. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so she doesn't, it she doesn't have to be the yet. first one. Obviously, that is precious and we, <laughs> we love keeping that for the tooth fairy. But um, a baby tooth, when it, a deciduous tooth, when it naturally falls out we do like to collect because that gives us important information here's another ohm for the exposome mm -hmm. which is uh, which is basically um, amazingly able to tell us exposures right back to the first trimester of pregnancy in that little tooth it's wow. they've got little rings on them Not like so. rings of a uh, tree trunk yeah and it gives information every um yeah few weeks it, it builds up another little layer mm -hmm. as the child grows and it tells us what the child's been exposed to over that period of time that's fascinating yeah especially so, for the first trimester like I guess I don't think about my kids teeth at all a eh, mm -hmm. and that's when they start the gum yeah. Yeah. Um, and maybe even till they're eating like but yeah so we just got all that information in our latest pack but we are oh, okay. hopefully well off mm, um, yes it's not till they're around what is it five or six yeah so because isabel's just um clicked over into the next section of in of india um now that she's uh done all her up to three years old so the next section's um up to 10 years mm. and that the truths come in and things like um, so we just and we also signed we got a lot of contracts that's the other thing too um so we've just re-signed all our contracts regarding Isabel and the changes to her um participation in the study like the fact that now we're waiting for truth to come out and things like that um so it's it's intense being a mm. participant um mm. but not it's not bad it there's just a lot um when the boxes like we don't really think like a lot about it until it's kind of our collection time mm. and then we get the questionnaire um, of which I do to do on my phone now so Noah's um, a digital participant so I don't have to fill out all the paperwork as such anymore. yeah we've got an app so yeah that an app that's can, really good yeah, and it reminds awesome. you like that you've got this stuff due come for your next visit and things like that cool. um, so like there's just a lot that comes with a visit obviously all at once busy. yes yeah it like it. Mm. but then it's like six months of nothing mm. and then it's a visit again where you have all the questionnaires and all the samples and things like that mm. and like my mm. kids are not um happy about blood collection um, well, I, I see some test. kids and I'm like good on you like you're a superstar <laughs> like smiling and holding these and whatever but my kids are like amazing ah! <laughs> and, it's, and it's one of those things where one of the um blood collection women asked me once like is this worth it because it is it's really my my blood collection doesn't go well um kids are really not into it but I also um know that it is worth it mm. um you know living with type 1 diabetes like out of the blue there's no genetic history in my family there's mm. no logical you know, step for how or why I got it. Mm. Um, there's just, for me, it's nothing. And I guess I, my, what I really like is that marker um, study. I think that is as a parent with one diabetes who has, you know, multiple kids, it to me is so valuable to know that at the moment my kids aren't displaying any markers. 
Yeah. Um, and I know that can change. Yeah, like, but I, and I know that that can change. Obviously, I was not a person with diabetes until I was eight years old. Um, mm. And Rach, you in kindergarten, like, we weren't mm. born with diabetes. Something obviously triggered the change. Mm. Um, yeah, for me, that's the part of this study that is the most um, valuable for me. Like, I, mm. I understand everything we're doing is valuable the overall cause for India, but as a parent, blood test and knowing that that markers have come back as nothing yet mm-hmm. um does set me some peace of mind um I do like it and I know that in the end kids being unhappy with a one blood test every six months is going to be okay for them like mm-hmm. and look we we also understand that you know ideally yes we see the little babies up until every three months and then the older children from two years on every six months, but life happens. And, you know, we're, we're really happy that if, you know, for one visit, if, if a child's really upset or if it's not happening, you know, we're really happy just to give them a break and try again next time. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing we've introduced, Carly, certainly we've had it in um, the India hubs, but we've actually uh, given Sarah a set of the VR goggles for the regional program too. So if you're really wanting to have a try, um, Sarah can post you out a set of VR goggles to borrow and see if that helps as well. And we have had some really terrific success. It's not for every child, but the the VR goggles are like a tool in a suite of cool distraction techniques. We we use bubbles don't quite cut it when they get a bit older. And we're like uh, all about the Freddos. That's what we get through. We're all about the Freddos. The little treat is thing after. Um, And I do, that's one of the things too, that's um, obviously I mainly deal with Sarah. Um, I, who is my regional, is is Sarah the regional nurse for everyone? Yes. Yes. Yes, she is oh the regional gosh. nurse. She does oh. an amazing job. She's fantastic. It's all on the phone and text and couriers and, yeah. She's fabulous. She's and that's it. Busy. Like, she's always been, um, I guess, such a, a kind part of this whole study in that we've never felt pressured. Like, when we have been, like, this, we couldn't get um, a stool sample from mm. Noah he was mm. just like no I'm not going to go for this like 48 hour period that we were collecting um and we felt like that wasn't okay um mm, and you know okay. we've missed like urine samples sometimes like yeah. we've, we've missed different samples here and there mm. um for whatever reason and we've never felt like oh you like we've done the wrong thing or we haven't done enough or um, oh, we're so grateful that you're in the study and that you give us what you give us. <laughs> and, yeah, Sarah has had the conversation with blood around us, like for us as well, being like if you don't want to do it, there's no pressure to do it. Um, mm. We just try to because, yeah. like I said, for us it's once every six months. So mm. we just power through and we just pump up the froze like up the as, as the yeah. thing um but yeah there's never been any pressure on us as participants to do everything if mm-hmm. we can't mm. like a big box gets sent and I remember the first box that I got I was like oh my gosh what have I gotten myself into like this is amazing but this is a lot of yeah stuff. it's a big deal to start with yeah, yeah. now it's just like oh cool all right everyone sit on the floor we all put our gloves on and we kind of go through everything and um yeah. but there's never been any pressure for us to we have to get 
every single one done every single time, mm-hmm. which I think was is the most like re like I don't know it kind of keeps us coming back because it's like hey if we're having a rough time at the moment I don't have to do bloods or yeah. if no being painful we don't have to get a stool sample or if Isabel's decided she's going to completely miss the entire little tray goes in our toilet to catch her yes. urine <laughs> like that's fine you know what I mean like it's not yeah it's really good it's really good the way you guys kind of nurture us as participants and it doesn't feel as clinical as I guess I expected it to feel as well, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's good, yeah. Well, in terms of being nurturing and also being clinical as well, Kelly, what outcomes have been achieved so far by India? Crikey. Okay, well, um, (laughs) I can go with the easy easy stuff first is that eldest Indian will turn nine in November and our youngest will turn one in July. Yeah. Big happy birthday to them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So the median cohort age of our group is about three and a half years old. Yeah. Um, We've got over 60% of babies have a mum with type 1 diabetes. Mm -hmm. We've got about 28% of babies with a dad who has type 1 diabetes. Mm -hmm. Around 12% have a sibling. Mm -hmm. And about 3% have more than one family member with type 1 diabetes. Hmm. So that's just a little bit of background about who's in the study. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I, I've mentioned these ohms. So we've got a, a virus team in New South Wales. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually got the first sort of big paper out for India, um, which is all on our website. So we can share that with you guys later. Mm. Um, they use a technique that's able to measure about 10,000 different virus species from a single sample. And so they managed to um, look at some of the samples we have so far and compared um, samples from pregnant mothers with type 1 diabetes and those that don't have the condition Mm -hmm. and looked across the three trimesters um, to look at viruses. And they actually did find quite... Uh, distinguishable differences between the two groups of pregnant women. Mm. Um, They found higher um, prevalence of, now excuse my pronunciation, um, picobernavirus and tabamavirus and enterovirus uh, in women with type 1. And for a a sample of babies born to a subset of these mums, they found viral infection in, in all children except one. Um, And they found about 26 different types of viruses. Um, So they found, again, distinct patterns between infants born to mums with type 1 versus those without. Mm -hmm. But interestingly, they were different viruses to the ones that the mums had. So that was interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, So we don't really know what these differences mean and whether this has any impact on the child's risk of developing type 1 but we do know that children who have a mum with type 1 diabetes tend to have the lowest risk of progressing to either autoantibodies or type 1 so this may actually convey some protection um, so this is being further explored mm-hmm. um, as we go along um, then the microbiome that's led by um, a team in Melbourne at um, WeHi and mm-hmm. um, they've revealed some really important differences between 
uh, type 1 and non-type 1 pregnancies. Mm-hmm. Um, they've shown that um, although microbiome changes across the pregnancy in all women, it does so distinctly in women that have type 1 diabetes, particularly in the third trimester. Mm. So they concluded that um, pregnant women with type 1 have a decrease in bacteria that produce anti-inflammatory mediators and essential B-group vitamins Mm -hmm. um, and show an increase in um, particular bacteria and a higher abundance of a fungus, I I could say what it's called, Saccharomyces cerevisiae. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not the scientist here, you can tell. Um, So at the same time, the WeHi team showed the three different markers of gut pathology were increased in in women with type 1. So taken together, this may implicate the gut microbiome and the mycobiome, which is the fungus, um, in some sort of, um, in some of the maternal and fetal complications that are more prevalent in type 1 pregnancies. Mm -hmm. And this is important because if, if that's true, it might lead to new opportunities to intervene and improve outcomes for mums and bubs. Oh, absolutely. Um, so that's that one. And then just another little uh, paper that we've had up with the, the team here at Adelaide Uni, um, they hypothesise that the exocrine pancreas, like the pancreas, is kind of split into two effectively mm-hmm. i don't know if you've heard of the exocrine and the endocrine pancreas um the the exocrine uh gland makes up the majority of the pancreas about 85 percent and the secretions of the exocrine pancreas enable digestion of food into components for processing and absorption by the intestines and faecal elastase is a surrogate measure of the exocrine pancreas. And the team found that um, faecal elastase levels in children that did not have these islet autoantibodies increased as children got older, mm. but decreased in the children that did not have antibodies. Um, importantly, in some of the children with islet autoantibodies, this fall in faecal elastase occurred prior to the onset of islet autoantibodies, although um, the values were still within normal range mm-hmm. uh, and levels were quite variable even within the same children. So unfortunately for, for that team, um, they concluded that faecal elastase isn't a very useful biomarker for predicting type 1 diabetes risk. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping that some of the other omics investigations will be able to work on better risk biomarkers Hmm. Um, so that that's a couple of papers that we have out at the moment Um, our first studies looking at children at high risk for developing type 1 are just about to start and we expect those results in about 12 months time Hmm. so that will be one of our next big papers to come out from India Hmm. That's fascinating. And it's really interesting hearing how much has been discovered so far from NDR. And hopefully it is these bits and pieces that can kind of put together the puzzle and the greater picture so that we can look at getting more answers and seeing if we're able to, yeah, develop, look into things to hopefully 
be on the track to potentially yeah. finding a cure for diabetes down the track or at least knowing what causes it and seeing what could be done there. So that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so a bit more of a personal question for you, Kelly, then. Um, yeah. What is the most rewarding aspect for you in being involved in NDR? Uh, it, the whole study is incredibly rewarding. I learn something new every day, yeah. absolutely, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, type 1 diabetes as a condition was new for me, even though nursing is my background. Mm-hmm. Um, I started on this project over four years ago and it was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a lot to learn about the condition. I didn't realise what a significant impact it had on sort of day-to-day living for, for someone um, with the condition, let alone their wider family as well, mm. you know, both physical and emotional um, constant um thinking about it Mm. um and uh i just love working with the families particularly um, we probably have a slightly biased bunch in india that are incredibly driven um people like carly that just have both their children in the study Mm. and keep coming back and uh, providing those really valuable samples and those questionnaires. Um, I love working with our team. We, everybody is so driven to get rid of type 1 diabetes. So mm-hmm. I love the hours they work. I mean, Belinda, for example, just ridiculous hours driving around the countryside to see people um, and our doctors and uh other researchers just are very driven to get rid of this disease but also it's super cool watching the kids grow up mm-hmm. no one gets this opportunity in at work usually to see a baby born and turn into a 10 year old and who they become you know that's amazing it's such a privilege it's beautiful here like because I think about particularly Isabel who has now been in the study for three years Mm. um and now like and I keep talking about Sarah because obviously she's our kind of India contact but like now um like Isabel sends drawings when we send back our boxes like she draws on the envelopes put all of our like questionnaires and stuff in because she's Sarah's got them up in her office she puts (laughs) all the pictures and things in her office but it's for Belle you know now she like a very close connection to someone who we talk to regularly um to set these things up who we've never met and who Isabel knows when the big box comes um and I say that we have to do our samples that this is going to Sarah she knows that it's going to Sarah um and I know it obviously goes to other people not just Sarah like I know that they get <laughs> but, the yours go out, to Sarah. but yeah. ours go to Sarah and yeah. Isabel knows that that big box um when it comes like she knows the process now and mm. she's trying to explain that to Noah when it comes she's like Noah sit down we have to be a doctor for Sarah like <laughs> and you know that's just three years in the study like what will another three years look like for us and, and the connection that my kids have mm. to Sarah or to someone who uh, hopefully takes over from Sarah she can stay there until we're like well done um, we hope so, too. <laughs> so great but you know it's just something that's really special to us is just like when Sarah messages and I'll send her, like I send her photos of the kids when we're done with our study or when we're like well, our box, sorry, not our study. Um, or like she sent a photo of the last picture that she, from Isabel that she put it up on her wall and um, stuff like that. And it's just like this study's brought somebody 
into our lives who never would have been in our lives otherwise because as we've we send our box to South Australia because that's where you guys are based and here we are in regional New South Wales I've never even been to South Australia in my life well you're welcome so, anytime well we're hoping we got nowhere else to go anymore we can't go anywhere <laughs> so right. nowhere else is safe um but yeah so it's just something that's really special to us and also to hear you say that like it's special to you guys as well what mm. Absolutely. The kids come through, and I mean, even for Noah, who obviously like uh, the first trimester baby, like Isabel mm. was only six months old, so yeah. she was like a real little people when it started, whereas Noah was not a real little people yeah. started. So, and you know, he's nearly two now, mm, um, which amazing. is also crazy yeah. that we've been in the study for my whole pregnancy with him. You know, since January 2019, mm. going through so. Yeah, it's it's nice here, I guess, as a participant, that it's special to you guys as well. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. yeah. It is quite a unique relationship, isn't it, that you have that opportunity to contact someone that regularly. Um, you know, I don't contact some of my family that regularly. So. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> Oh, well, um, well, as a participant, Carly, um, do you have any tips for our mums listening who may be involved in studies, whether it's India or other ones similar? Like we've talked a little bit about collecting samples from your children. Do you have any tips that you pass on for our listeners? Well, look, I'm all about the bribe. Um, not yeah. going to lie. <laughs> um, so we do do a throat swab as yeah. well, which is our kids' like second least which is convenient with COVID testing at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't don't think that's helped us particularly. I don't (laughs) think the kids like the COVID test and now they're not so keen on the India swabs either. And I think, like, I feel like Noah should be used to it. Like, he's had four COVID tests. Like, just feel like he should be used to it by now. Um, But, look, so we are all about the bribe. Mm. Um, And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, Um particularly because it's like once every six months mm. um, in our instance. And I think our biggest thing, particularly with Isabel now um, and the kind of last 12 months with her um, and even Noah kind of in this last collection, so we only did a, um, a collection a couple of weeks ago, um, was our last box we sent off, um, was maybe, yeah, three or four weeks ago, um, is explaining to your kids what you're doing and why you're doing it um so bell knows that my insulin pump is mummy's medicine and we know that mummy's body doesn't work the same as everybody else's and that's why mummy needs her medicine um and we're fully into the why 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 terrific right now um so i explained to her what we're doing so mummy doing this swab of your mouth and doing this swab and collecting your poo blah 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 that's going to help the ladies because we just say the ladies because she just knows that sarah is a girl um (laughs) it's going to help the ladies um stop somebody else from getting sick like mummy um and when we did the blood test afterwards um when everybody was calm again um (laughs) i said to her like i explained to her that the reason why we do that is because that test is going to help mummy know whether she's going to get sick like mum or not. And once we started explaining it to her, probably the last two blood tests she's had, we've been able to kind of talk to her with some cognitive resonance of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
she it gives them an amazing um, awareness of their own body and yeah. health literacy as well that yeah. a lot of people don't have. That's you're doing a good job, Carly. But that's that's my advice is just explain it. Mm. Um, and like Chinoa, this last time, like you know, he was eighteen months old. Um, and we just would say to him, ah, mummy's got to do your medicine now. Um, and he would run his mouth and we do his swabs and like, we always let the kids be as involved as we can. Like, obviously mm. they can't take their own swabs. That's not how it works, but mm. like we gloves on them. Um, and they do the, like, um, the cleaning of stuff and like we've got the little when they got their blood tests we get little patches um mm. that go on their arms that help to numb the area um and things like that and like they help put those on and like they put it all um Isabel likes to pack box so like we get her to get everything out of the fridge um oh have a little cooler bag that goes in the fridge too like when we've collected our samples before send them off um and it sits in our little fridge door and like is knows to go and get that and we pack it and I talked about the order that it has to go into the thing as well so she has to look and she's starting to recognize what the different samples are um like she knows the one with the brown lid is her poo and she knows what her you know but like she knows that kind of stuff she knows that they have to go on the bottom Mm. um and that her blood has to go at the top um and I like miss pack the box sometimes to get her to be like mommy no this one has to go on the top and like but it's just getting them as involved as they can be in the process so if you're a part of India and you're struggling to figure out what to do with your kids um, or you're a part of a different study or a future study that comes up as well or something my advice is just get your kids as involved as you can relevant to their age obviously um, in the process, explain to them what's happening, why you're doing it and what it is going to achieve, even if it's in as basic terms as we're looking to see if you're going to be sick like mummy. Because, um, like, my kids don't understand diabetes. Isabel's like, you're eating lollies, I'm eating lollies. Like, this is obviously how it works. Um, but we're just starting to get to that, no, this juice is medicine. Um, it's not, like, it's not juice. Mm-hmm. medicine and like these are not lollies these are mummy's medicine and that's the same that we work with the study that this is trying to work out how to stop you from needing mummy's medicine mm. um, which Isabel accepts like she's like oh okay I don't want to have your medicine I'm like good I don't want you to have my medicine like we're all on the same page here mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah that's my advice <laughs> and look I guess the the other thing, Carly, is just to say to people if they're ever considering, obviously it depends on the study and what's involved, but mm. without people like you participating in studies like India, we just will never get these answers. Mm. Um, we, we won't find a preventative or, or cure um, if we don't have people getting involved. So obviously it's worth having a think, having a read, um, of the information you're given, talk to doctors or, you know, other people you trust and get their opinions. Yeah. Um, but if you get the opportunity, think more yes than no if possible. <laughs> I think the other thing that's always also been really good is that, you know, can opt out. Um, yeah. Like we don't want to, but it's also good to know that if it becomes too yeah. much or if, you know, something else is happening or like, something that it's it's not like we're in this like you are we are in it for life there's no way to you know 
take a break or to not participate like I think that's the most important thing too is that studies like this well India I mean I'm not I know any other studies I'm going to be completely honest but like India has always been a very no pressure zone it's optional it's optional and you're in control um so we are just very appreciative for for anything that you Mm. give us or or tell us but um yeah it's at the end of the day you do what you want to do yeah and I think that's like that's the reassuring thing too if you're going to participate in a study if another one comes up or if you are a participant in it or or any other kind of study it's got to be able to work for you as a participant um and if it doesn't then you know maybe look at something else or making sure that you can take that break um if you need to but yes get informed as well Mm -hmm. that's that's the whole point is informed Mm -hmm. yeah 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 excellent and um so we have been talking um india recruitment phase has finished in your dandy phase um but kelly um are there any future studies planned or um if not how can our listeners look at india's study and its progression yeah so i mean the in, in, in terms of, well, currently, I guess, obviously, India is just really focused on um, keeping our families involved and tracking our little India people um, for as long as possible. But we have started a new, I guess you call it a sub-study in India, um, where we use a Dexcom 6 CGM mm-hmm. um, and we offer it to children that do have ILA autoantibodies and try and match them with a similar age and gender child that doesn't. And then we're just tracking their blood sugar levels um, for a period of time and having a look at the differences. So that adds more information to um, the pieces of the puzzle. Mm. Um, So I think we are very um, strongly involved with other type 1 diabetes uh, research groups Mm. like type 1 screen uh, based in Melbourne, but that's the national and New Zealand um, screening initiative. Mm -hmm. Um, There's TrialNet, which also is an international consortium. And here in Australia, there is a a general population screening pilot that Mm. has launched um, and it, uh, we're all working together. Um, it, some of the investigators are on all the different um, studies, but we all yeah. work together to try and help each other out towards um, this goal of getting rid of type 1 diabetes. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there are some current trials at the moment, and I guess you can we can provide some websites that people can check if they want to have a look at what's available now. Mm -hmm. Um, JDRF has a a website that offers all the different type 1 diabetes trials that are available. Mm. And in terms of um, following India's progress, we have the website, um, (laughs) www.india.org.au, and we regularly update. That's my job. I I update with we've got some participant stories on there, Mm -hmm. um, some study updates, all our papers, and we call them lay summaries, just sort of a more simplified version of our published papers um, are available to anyone online. We've got a Facebook page um, looking at India study um, and that's got posts every couple of days with um, 
cute pictures of our gorgeous children and families and type 1 diabetes information and study updates. Uh, we've got an Instagram page, which is more just um, participants send in photos and we pop them up. Um, super cute. Yeah, yeah, I love, I love getting them. It's just I love always, our Instagram page. It uh, always gives me a buzz when Sarah or, or one of the nurses will text me a picture and say, oh, this family said you can put it on the Facebook or the Instagram page. I'm, yeah, winning. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got a Vimeo account. We are on Twitter, but we're not very good on Twitter. Or I should say I'm not very good on Twitter. <laughs> um, we've got a newsletter that comes out every quarter to people that um, sign up. And um, JDRF, uh, one of our funders at the moment, along with um, that Helmsley Charitable Trust, and JDRF quite often um, put updates um, when things come out about India on their blog or Facebook page. Um, and, gosh, if anyone just wants to ask us a question, um, just email us. Mm-hmm. Again, it's india at adelaide.edu.au, and we would love to hear from you. That's very reassuring to hear. And um, Kelly, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. It's been very informative and we really appreciate your time. Thank you. Oh, it's been a delight. Lovely to meet you both. Thanks yeah. for having me. Thanks for joining us for another week of Mama Beaties. We would like to extend a special thanks to Kelly for joining us today. As Kelly said earlier, more information on the India study can be viewed at www.india.org.au. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast so you never miss an episode and leave us a review so that others can find us too. Remember to follow us on Facebook, just search Mama Beaties, Twitter at Mama Beaties or on Instagram at Mama Beaties underscore podcast. To reach out, please email us at mamabeaties.podcast at gmail.com. If during this podcast series you feel you need to reach out for additional support, please contact your usual treating team, PANDA's National Perinatal Anxiety and Depression Helpline on 1300 726 306 or Lifeline on 13 11 14 outside of PANDA's operating hours.